This is a horror game podcast. It is meant for mature audiences. It may contain shocking revelations, violence, and sexual themes. Viewer discretion is advised. Fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I will be playing World War Cthulhu RPG. I am your host, Tom Rayleigh. We continue with World War Cthulhu London. It was written by Matthew Sanderson and Scott Dorward. The scenario is entitled Midnight Sunrise. Our keeper of arcane lore is Matthew Sanderson, and this is episode four. A recap will be given by David Gasway as his character, uh, Melvin Spofford. Harris Esquire. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. David? Well, Joseph Dunbar is dead. I knew the man 17 years, worked closely with him at times. Then I saw a sentient ball of flame crash through his office window and burn him alive. The cursed thing seemed to stare me in the face in a brief pause, setting every sheet of paper in the office aflame. I never imagined the like. Plastic surgeon Dr. Chamberlain then, who left wealthy heiress Aurora Williams, beautiful but paralytic, and Joseph Dunbar, who once represented her against hotelier Thomas Whitaker, whom she blames for the fire that disfigured her in the first place, have now both died in horrific and unexplained fires. The attempts to reach Aurora were stymied, but we hoped to get to Whitaker in time to save him from the same fate. It took a moment to get an audience at the Riverside Hotel, and when we did, we found him hot-tempered, but willing in the end to listen to reason. We've now got use of Whitaker's office suite and perhaps his head of security to help us lie in wait. But for whom? Aurora? The mysterious John Smith? What has this to do with the curious marble altar put in Teresa's cellar? We've only begun to scratch the surface of this question but we have procured a number of fireproof garments and an astonishing amount of fire extinguishers. So we shall see what we shall see. All right. Thank you very much there. This is pretty much open to you. This is quite an open part of the investigation from here. So with those two actions that have taken place so far, this is to recap Friday morning at this point you've had your divide and conquer you've had one group go to Teresa's house and then you've had the other go to the riverside hotel where do you want to go from the here do you want to meet up and discuss what to do next if so where do you want to meet what's what's the game plan here well we could meet uh back at my place that's next to to uh our neighbors and uh Seems to be our central location. Is I wish the... we... Go ahead. Uh, or now, 
that's a good idea to meet back up and say our plans. But if I'm at the hotel, I'd like to look around outside. The woman that was thrown out of the hotel, was she thrown into a cab and it drove away or was she thrown onto the street? Okay. Yep, she she was thrown into a cab. So the the cabs that come to the hotel, you could quite easily track if you wanted to get in touch with someone from the taxi agency, potentially, where that taxi's gone. Or you simply wait for that same taxi. You could say, well, that was the same driver mm -hmm. and wait for the driver to come back and find out. Well, where I, that I don't went. quite have a reason to inquire yet, but I will inquire on what exactly happened, why she was thrown out in the first place to the security guards as uh we have it in with the security guards because we're buddy buddy with their boss now yeah that that's easy enough i mean the concierge definitely fill you in so i'll, I'll walk up to the concierge mm -hmm. i'll ask yeah, uh mm -hmm. what was the deal with the the woman that was expelled from the building oh the uh persistent problem yeah she, over the last uh couple of days She's been coming in repeatedly, making accusations that Mr. Whitaker's life's been at threat, that she needs to see him immediately, that there's some kind of conspiracy against him, and had generally been making herself a nuisance. And frankly, we can't have that kind of behaviour in this establishment. So she was mm. removed from the premises. Oh, no police were ever involved. Oh, thankfully, she didn't cause that much of a problem. We didn't have to. We didn't have to involve them. Huh. Okay. And I'll walk back to the others at the hotel, and mm -hmm. that woman I mean, might be onto something. Quite frankly, it sounds like she might know something, like we know right. something. Mm -hmm. Yes. And any information that we can get prove vital to stopping this strange inferno. Well, um. If there are other cabs, do cabs have like a centralized company that runs them? Aren't all the, the British cabs in London the same company? It's a good question. For Respect for sake them. of ease, we'll say they are. I know that okay. Hackney carriages are registered centrally, but whether they're the same company that runs them all, especially at that time, I think in modern day, I think there are a multitude of different companies that run them. Yeah. But... Um, Back then, they had to memorize all of the, the roads and all the streets, and yeah, yeah. They, they, I think if, they called it the non, the knowledge, or was that yeah. a kind of a slang term for it for knowing all the street names? If we can, I did. I guess the other question would be is if they used radio to communicate. Probably not, uh, especially with especially with the war, but right. such such frequent uh, such communication could be easily compromised. So probably not a good idea. So we can't call the cab company and ask them, where did this cab go that just left? They would have no idea what we were talking about. Until the <laughs> until the driver checks in with them if, later. If that driver comes back. Did yeah. we have the number of the cab? Yeah, I'd say you could, you could certainly because pick up Because we could call and say, what number, what driver is at this number? We want to know more information or we want to commend them or file a complaint, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, that, that could easily work. So... If you wanted to give them a quick call, uh, don't have to go, to go through the whole conversation. But what you would learn is that the uh, the driver does the majority of his work around the hotel. It's pretty much he's stationed in the taxi rank and just picks up folks as needed. So he will cycle back round to come back to the hotel eventually. 
we could the 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 taxis and the taxi ring probably all know each other too. So we could ask him who's that guy that just left? Which taxi driver? Yeah, um, and, and the hotel staff probably know the regular taxi that's drivers probably as well. True too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe we can ask then the concierge. Uh, whose taxi did she get put into? Oh, yeah, that'd be uh, Jack Hartley. So Jack um, Hartley. his cab. Yeah. He's he's a regular around here. He's a he's a trusted individual. So it's someone that we can we can rely on to get the work done. Um, and I've got the name Greenaway from Whitaker, so we've got some degree of carte blanche with the staff, I should think. So it's Indeed, a question yes. of whether we want to wait here which we have no idea how long it could be. It could be hours. He could drive out and half an hour and then half an hour back. Um, Would give you an idea of how far um, it take uh, it's taken to drop her off because he wouldn't pretend he wouldn't pick up any other job on the way. He would almost certainly come straight back here. That's true. So we do gain information by waiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't all have to wait. Well, it's just you and me, Damage. Who uh, came to see Whitaker? Well, I am the patient one, if you'd like it's me true. to sit here and wait. Uh, it seems no. like something I do quite a bit of. Yeah, we could wait for him together and um, and then go back. Uh, I guess we'll be situating Teresa again in her house soon, assuming that she's not feeling too traumatized to return. So we can meet back and, you know, get the neighborhood society together, as it were, with you and and Gross. But we can probably get a rather nice tea while we wait. That sounds wonderful. Especially at a hotel like this, they would almost certainly have the facility to do a very nice afternoon tea. Yes, I think that's what we'll do. Mm -hmm. I'd say then, as you're um, preparing to sit, preparing to sit down, and maybe as your first uh, first pot of tea is brought out, that that is when the taxi cab comes back because the only take only takes about an hour, so half half an hour one way, half an yeah, hour back, an hour back to be yeah to be uh, for him to do his round trip. Oh, so um, would you be Mister Jack Hartley? Yeah, who's who's asking? Uh, my name is Davidge Green. This is uh, Mr. Melvin Spuffield Harris, Esquire. Um, and um, we were here earlier. We saw you taking a young woman. I don't remember if she was young or not. Uh, she a was woman, in her early 30s. Yeah. A young woman uh, away in your taxi cab. And as it turns out, um, She's rather important to uh, us solving a bit of a mystery. Um, do you? Could you tell us where you took her? Uh, and he promptly describes the young lady again, the kind of working class outfit, kind of average appearance, etc. Uh, that that the lady you're talking about, the one I've just say just taken yes. to. Uh, yeah. uh, dropped dropped her at an address in Newham, so not not a massive distance away, just a bit of takes a bit of traffic through the day to get over there and back do you happen to recall the number offhand it turns out yeah she came here to uh warn mr whitaker of impending danger and was taken for a nutter but in fact uh we believe that she might have useful information yes 
Well, yeah, he, he, he certainly remembers the address and he will he will give that to you. It's an address in just on the kind of the outskirts of East Ham, which is part of the wider borough of Newham. Oh, well, Mr. Hartley, thank you very much for your troubles. And I'll slip him a fiver. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, definitely a, that's definitely a lot of money. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, uh, he, he very much takes that with uh, kind of you made his weak kind of look on his face. <laughs> oh, thank, thank, thank you very much there, uh, Mr. <laughs> What kind of mystery is it that you're looking into? Well, we also came to the uh, conclusion that uh, that uh, the gentleman inside was in some sort of danger. Uh, but uh, it's nothing to be concerned with. Oh, all right then. Um, yes, and so before we leave, I'll tell uh, Greenaway that I'll be in touch about coming back for our reconnaissance of Whitaker's office. Yep, he'll, uh, he'll make sure that someone on the desk, if he's not here for whatever reason, which is unlikely, at least he will prep the other members of staff that the, they they are to give you all their cooperation as required. Brilliant. I forget, how did we get here? Did we drive? You, you certainly can have. Okay. Oh, we could take the cab. <laughs> but, there you go. No. Well, uh, well we, we drove, so. Uh, shall we finish our tea first and then... I don't think she's going anywhere. Residential address. Yes. Right. Right. And then off we go. And then all all five of you are heading off to the uh, to that address, or anyone else planning on dividing and conquering? Well, I think we were going to head back, at least temporarily, to convene. At, if the uh, others are at Grosser's place, then we could phone them there and tell them where the address is. Ah, oh, that's a good idea. So we'll do that. You handle that. Yep, so you, you can all converge. We coordinate. If only we had cell phones. <laughs> you see, you know, crazy science fiction, things like that just won't ever take off. But how did, how did people coordinate these sort of things way back when? People used to make plans mm -hmm. and then do them. So uh, we'll all meet up. Uh, does um, what's the? I assume it's a. Is it a freestanding home or is it a row house? I assume it's modest based on her mode of dress to go to the Riverside Hotel. Yes, certainly right there. It's a terrace house, so it's but one of a long row of like former work uh, workmen's or factory workers' houses. Hmm. So it's definitely what lower class housing. And even then, uh, once you arrive, you see that there is a. Uh, sign in the door or sign in the window rather next to the door that has no vacancy so it implies that this is a picture yeah, like borders. a b and b yeah boarding yeah, house boarding house well gentlemen we filled you in on the details the mystery thickens it does indeed I imagine, Angrave, you're uh, more accustomed to than many of us to dealing with landladies of houses such as this and figuring out who the tenant is we wish to speak to without getting a, a ruckus raised. Yeah, I, I may have actually, I might actually know the landlady, depending. Hmm. Remarkable. We'll see. You can you can give me a luck roll and make it a really good one to see if you do know random. Uh, random landlady but first luck refresh yep indeed remember to do that if you haven't already done so oh, no i rolled no three should have saved that 
Uh, <laughs> all right. Lead the way, Mr. Engrave. I rolled all what the fuck I rolled all no one. An O one? Yes. Okay. Uh give me His a sister. power check. <laughs> a power? Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh I failed the pow. Good. Game one D ten pow. Huh? Oh that, shit, that that's is a rule. An, an, an obscure rule that is so very infrequently ever happens in a game. If you roll an O one on a luck check, you get a potential pow improvement. All right, Ooh. well, my power is improved by six. That's incredible. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> yeah, the only, the only other way is uh, the, the main way, because this is under the bracket of how sorcerers get that way, um, is if you win opposed power checks, then if you succeed, you can then also make a, power, a potential power improvement. It's like flexing your, your power muscles. But Ooh. yeah, it also counts for luck as well. He's okay. so... He's so stunned, we've frozen him in place. God. <laughs> His power is too much. He's, he's become overpowered. <laughs> frozen time. <laughs> Positively glowing. Glowing. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with your O1, uh, yeah, you definitely know this, uh, this lady who runs this particular boarding house. I've worked the um, case before. Yeah, she's, she's come up in some of, some of your previous, uh, previous inquiries. Uh, this would be uh, Mary Leahy, a lovely, uh, lovely lady who is uh, very much locally born and bred. Yeah. All right. So I will see her in her office or her her room. And yeah, pretty much I down will... down yeah, downstairs room. Uh, it's a three story building, so okay. it's uh, she has kind of like a ground floor apartment as such that she lives on the ground floor, and then her tenants have the upper two floors. Great. So, uh, you said her name was Mary? Yes, Mary. Okay, well... And it's the afternoon? Yeah, I would say it is by very just afternoon, so very early afternoon by this okay. point. Well, good Actually, afternoon, uh, Mary. It's, uh, it's uh, me, Edgar. Yeah, in interesting to see you again. What brings you, what brings you to these parts? I'm working on another case, and I was hoping that you could help me out. Oh, no, gentleman, yeah, if, I, if I can. Yes, uh, I'm looking for one of your borders, and if one of you gentlemen could describe this woman that you saw. Um, I, I'm afraid um, I didn't look, I didn't see her that closely, uh, but she will have arrived uh, less than 40 minutes ago in a, in a taxi cab. Uh, she's uh, early 30s, um, plainly dressed, regular looking sort, and we yeah, believe yeah, she's well. a tenant here. Yeah, I mean, they've only got the one uh, the one female tenant that lives or that even vaguely matches that description. Yeah, that'd be uh, Joyce Dobbs. Joyce Dobbs. Yeah, she's only up. She's only up on the uh, the next the next floor. Oh, I mean, do I, you mind I giving us the room number? Yeah, I mean, she's basically the the first oh, it's the, the floor. first yeah. apartment. So. I mean, I, I can go go um, introduce you if you want. So knock on the door and kind of get her to open up. We'd love that. Okay. Yeah, she, you're very, she you're very something. gracious, Mary. She does a little bow. I, I, I try. I try. <laughs> what, um, what impression do you, does she give of her? What does she seem to think of Joyce Dobbs? Um, Should I roll psychology, or does she, does she light up, or is she like, oh, Joyce Dobbs, strange you, man? You, you can certainly give me a psychology roll if you're uh, studying her reaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I have an extreme success. Probably okay. kind of a waste of a five, but... <laughs> no, you think that there's no real animosity here. There's nothing that's kind of that latter kind of, oh, her kind of reaction. No, it, it's very much, yeah, she's actually one, kind of a, one of the better tenants that she's had. There's no, no nothing hostile. There's no cause for concern. And if anything is mildly, oh, yeah, I know her, kind of a pleasant reaction to hearing mm -hmm. the name. Off we go. Does she, well, bef before I would I would like to ask: Does she have any company over ever? Do you know any of her associates? Like, for example, a truck, maybe Com company. Uh, no, I mean she's she's been going out a lot over the course of the last uh, the last few weeks, basically trying to find work. But um, I understand she's uh, she's between employments at the moment. But no, she she doesn't really bring anyone back to the uh, go back to her apartment. No, no truck. You haven't seen one around. I truck, mean, definitely. they're probably around everywhere. <laughs> no, no, def definitely no, no truck. I mean, I thought she, I thought she was some kind of uh, she was looking for employment as a maid, not in uh, kind of transportation or uh, mm. or in haulage. No, that that does sound very very odd. And before, do you know where she worked? Uh, she she used to work somewhere down in Greenwich, I think she said. Uh, used to work in a private household uh, down there, but she was uh, she was let go sometime sometime last late last year, from what she was mentioning. And she's been basically trying to look between look for more recent employment now, as it seems like her um, either golden parachute or golden handshake, whichever whichever of the two she got, is start, starting to run out. Hmm. And that was not the area that we were just in. We were in like a north. We were in Chelsea. Chelsea. We're Chelsea. Yeah. But the three of you that went to go and see Aurora, she lives in Greenwich. So you head up the stairs following uh, following Mary, and she knocks on the door. Says, uh, yeah, Miss, uh, Miss Dobbs, you in? And there's a definite sound of movement uh, from behind the door. And then the door opens, and indeed the the lady that you uh, the two of you saw at the hotel is uh, is stood there, looking a little bit drawn, as if kind of a, almost a bit of her wit, uh, her wits end, but is trying to put a a decent face on things. And says, uh, "Yes, uh, uh, hello there." You uh, must uh, be uh, Joyce. You have me at a disadvantage. Uh, hello, hello, everyone. And she, I believe she's we need looking to talk. at these five people in the corridor, or six people in the corridor. <laughs> Miss Dobbs, uh, sorry for the intrusion. Um, we have just come, uh, you see, uh, from the, uh, the hotel. We also went to see Mr. Whitaker out of concern for his well being. Uh, oh. If that helps explain our presence uh, suddenly upon your doorstep. Right. Um, I, uh, I think we you best come inside then, if that's all right with, uh, with Miss Leahy and she, uh, your gracious hostess says, oh, of course, of course. Uh, by all means, come, uh, come on in, uh, go on in. Um, and Mary turns to Edgar and says, do you want me to accompany you, or are you you're happy taking it from here? We'll take it from here. Thank you. Oh, if you need anything, just just give me a shout. Or stamp stamp on the floor. I'll I'll hear it. Very well. And yep, she starts heading back downstairs. 
That's Joyce, the... we believe you. What you you, you believe me? But... Yes. Okay, how how did you how did you find out? Oh. It just it just so happened that we saw you being escorted out, and um, after we got through to Whitaker, who is an extremely difficult man to see, um, we had a connection in common, so it it worked out for us. But and, uh, when we learned that you'd tried to warn him, we hoped that you could help us figure out exactly what's going on. Right, because we don't have the full picture. Far from it. Right. Well, um, yes, sir. I'm I'm sorry about the state of the place I and mean, she gestures around to the uh, the apartment which is relatively sparsely furnished there's very basic furniture here there's a couple there's a couple of sofas uh, a table with a couple of chairs and various a very basic layout um she'll invite you to take the comfortable seats while she sits on one of the wooden chairs by the um, by the table this is uh I don't, i'm not really sure how how much you're going to believe this but I mean, I shouldn't even be. I should by by all rights, I shouldn't really be saying any of this. But my previous employer did pay me a quite considerable amount to kind of to guarantee my silence. But but then people started ending up ending up turning up dead, and I I just feel I feel I can't stay silent. I've got to do something to try and prevent this from escalating. I think that whatever arrangement you made with Ms. Williams, you can consider null and void at this point, as most contracts do not cover multiple arsons. Well, <laughs> arson, oh, arson, or at least playing playing with fire, is definitely her thing. That's uh, the main reason why I ended up leaving her employ. So you're Gentlemen, saying let's 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 not jump to too many conclusions. Let's allow Miss uh, Dobbs to tell us her side of the story. And believe me, Miss Dobbs, we're quite open-minded about very strange things. Oh, you, yes. You, you're going to have to be open-minded for this one because this isn't this isn't logical. This isn't sane. This is this is crazy talk. Don't don't worry. We're very open-minded. Very open. As as I just look up at the ceiling as if I'm trying to look up at the sky. Yeah, she almost she almost follows your gaze, and almost you you see almost like a shiver go down her spine, and she looks back uh, back down to the rest of you, even on a hot day like this. Well, this this goes back a little bit. I mean, do you before I start talking into much detail, do you know much about uh, Miss Williams's history and the the kind of the accident that happened with her that left her quite uh, badly disfigured? We know a bit, but perhaps there's stuff that you know that we don't. So mm -hmm. please, please indulge us. Okay. Well, uh, it goes back to the uh, a few years now that she was involved in an accident at a at a hotel in I think it was Switzerland or somewhere in the somewhere on the continent. It's not massively important where where it is, but she she came back with very very bad disfigurement. She she's very heavily burned uh, across her body. Um, particularly her face, and that she employed the uh, the services of a Harley Street uh, surgeon that was uh, quite adept in um, in this newfangled plastic surgery, and she she had a good job. I mean, they they reconstructed her face perfectly, but that she just doesn't have 
the the muscles just don't work anymore that there's she's not able to convey emotion it's it's a really disconcerting thing to see her get angry that her voice gets very angry but the face just shows not almost it's almost like a like a dummy talking that there's there's just no there's no visual emotion there it's such a it's such a weird such a in in some instances kind of very disturbing quality about her mm. and she she was so upset by this that she removed every um, every mirror in her house she can't stand looking at her own reflection and she just completely withdrew from society after that there was there was a whole debacle about her lawyer betraying her and effectively siding with the uh, with the man that she believed was uh, that miss williams believed was responsible for the fire and so she just ended up becoming a recluse and i think that something inside her head just kind of snapped that she'd been uh, not alone in the house i mean she had all of us as the as the members of staff there to keep her company and we we became like a family to her and we were we were all really close i mean she treated us really well as well i mean she was the best employer i could have hoped for until and she she pauses for a minute and looks up again yeah until uh last till last winter and she she got it into her head that if if she could control flame, if she could control fire, that she might be able to reverse the damage that had been done to her. I mean, it's I know it's insane talk, but she she was able to do stuff. Um, she put out feelers to uh, bookstores all across the country, and probably even all across the city, all across the country, and eventually got hold of this this book, this this really old book. Um. She gestures to make kind of the size of this thing. It's probably an octavo volume, some of a six by eight. It's going to be a fa it's a fairly small, slender volume. That written, uh, handwritten. It was this wasn't even printed. This thing, but it had all these these annotations and notes around the got marginalia around around the outside of each page. That once she deciphered this uh, this book, I mean, the, the hand, deciphered the handwriting. Apparently, it was pretty pretty poor that she believed that something that something terrible was happen that was going to happen and she she convinced us to go with her to one of her warehouses down in uh, down in the Docklands down near Silvertown uh, to as she called it to call call a falling star and that's that's when i decided that well not not before, but when she when she cast this thing and this there was literally a ball of flame, a, a sentient ball of living flame that come came down out of the night sky. But I I was convinced that she was messing in powers that frankly was not meant for not meant for anyone besides God. That she was she was messing with something unholy. And the other the other members of staff thought this was wondrous this was something com uh, completely magical this was something uh something beyond what they ever thought was capable in life and they were they were entranced by it and i, I was the only one that thought, thought this was so this was a terrible terrible thing and i i voiced my concerns to miss williams and we came to an arrangement that i would i would leave and that i wouldn't say a word of what uh 
but what she'd done or what what was happening. But of course, then I read in the newspaper about, uh, say, Dr. Chamberlain, and then uh, the news that's just broke from yesterday about Mr. Dunbar. And it's I couldn't I couldn't wait after I say Chamberlain, especially after Chamberlain, that I knew that she hated him so much. Well, she was hated, but resented him so much for the position that he put her in, and left her with this horrible, this face of hers. That I was worried it was going to that he, she was eventually going to do something against against Mister Whitaker, and I didn't want to have his death on my conscience either. If if I didn't act and something bad happened to him, I would never forgive myself. So how 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 did you come to know um, know about her? Of messing with the arc with the arcane dark arts. It's a long story. <laughs> we, uh, I happen to be friends and neighbors with uh, uh, all my names. <laughs> well, her name is not important. Um, uh, my neighbor was apparently having an affair with uh, Mister. Uh, Dunbar, Mr. Dunbar. Yeah, her name was Teresa Hughes. Then, uh, Teresa, Dunbar. that's right. Yes, a friend of mine was having an affair with Mr. Dunbar, and he was uh, due to be at her house in the evening, uh, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't arrive. Uh, but somebody attempted to burn her house to the ground, uh, and that's when we became involved. Um, some of us, not me personally saw what seemed to be a ball of flame, uh, as you yourself have described. We went to warn Mr. Dunbar the next day, and we were actually present in his office when he was killed by the same sentient ball of flame. Uh, she, goes, and she goes white at mention of that. And so we have taken it upon ourselves to find the other people involved and warn them as well. But we didn't quite understand. We had sus suspicions as to what might be driving this magical ball of flame. Um, we're not sure who all the victims would be or who's behind it, but now it seems to be that our original ideas behind the motivation, uh, revenge for the uh, damage that uh, uh, that uh, she suffered, would be driving her hatred and her sending this ball of flame out to attack the people that she feels are responsible. Miss Dobbs, did you ever know Miss Williams to have in her possession anything like a? triangular block of marble she looks a little bit uh not perplexed but she she tries to remember and yeah i think there was something that she i think it was a i think it was a marble slab that she had commissioned Oh. That was for uh, that when she when she called down that that falling star that night in the dock in the Docklands. That, yeah, I think I think there was she used a slab then, just a just a like a marble slab. I thought it was at the time. Did she have a servant or a friend named 
what was it anthony uh yeah yeah there was there was an there was an anthony um yeah emphasis on was oh was it what, what's happened to him he also met the falling star uh he appears to have taken the uh, marble triangle in uh, into a private home in an attempt to, to use it to trap Dunbar, but it didn't work out. Uh, but uh, Anthony Morris, he, well, he, was, he, he was always a nice man. He what he wouldn't do, he wouldn't do something like that. I would oh, just he gesture made to my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He may not have fully understood what it was he was doing, but was he present at the calling of this thing? Yeah, he he was there. Well, then he may be under her influence. We were not able to get in to see her. Uh, her servants wouldn't let us in. But now that I think about it, we may have moved in that direction far too quickly. Uh, she may be well aware of us now which puts us all in danger. Well, Edgar had the sense not to leave a card. Do you, um, did you by chance ever see the title of this book? It sounds, you said, handwritten manuscript. So was it like a diary? No, it was, um, I, I remember saying a little bit about it, that it was uh, apparently a, a, a tome from the Renaissance. It was a, it was it was written in German. It had a long German title, <laughs> but um, something like "Book of Forbidden Arts." Well, that's interesting. Can I can I do like a? You can do me a an roll? occult roll if you want to see if you can yeah. identify this because it is a real book. And it is a. I guess it would it would definitely fall under my remit of obscure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> It doesn't sound like Abramelin or, or what's the oh, other significantly one? older than that. It's not that Thirty. Uh, there's a hard success. Thirty out of seventy hard success. Okay. Yeah. The, what she's describing, even I mean, the size could uh, vary depending on what edition that she's talking about, but. Yeah, the only one that you can think of about Book of Forbidden Arts, that's the English title. Uh, the original German is Das Puck aller Verbotenkunst. I've got my pronunciation right. By one Johannes Hartlieb, uh, published in Munich in 1456. And it's a Renaissance uh, book, not printed, it, they were handwritten copies originally. Um, that deal with the seven forbidden arts as laid down by can um, canon law. So the seven Ars Magica. So aeromancy, chiromancy, geomancy, hydromancy, pyromancy, necromancy, and the uh, previously uh, discussed kitchen utensil spatulamancy. But yeah, the, the book is a quite dry um, occult magic tome. And you said it was yes. John Hart. Uh, Johann Hartlieb. Yes, Johann Hartlieb. That's odd because our taxi driver was Jack Hartley. Hartley, not Hartlieb. Oh, Hartlieb. Okay. Yeah. 
Yes, interesting. So I look up at the sky again. Uh, how many, uh, when you departed, Miss Dobbs, how many staff then remained uh, and how many men and women? There'd probably be the best part of a dozen. Uh, and uh, when these fellows attempted to get an audience with her and were rebuffed, who would be sort of a major domo or a figure that would turn people away? Oh, the uh, the but the main butler. That, that would be. She would know the name off the top of her head. I, however, do not. One sec. Uh, Brown. Yeah, Mr. Brown. And Brown you found e. him agreeable to work with as well in your days? Uh, he's a little bit standoffish, uh, but very much has her best interests at heart. That he is, again, very, very loyal to her. That he's he's stuck by, stuck by her through thick and thin, and she's she's very much rewarded him for that. Now, how many loyal staff does Williams have? The well, ones that she brought to that warehouse. How many of them were there? Well, there were there were originally the 12, 12 of us, so she would have after I left, she would have eleven left. Uh, no more than nine, unless Brown's been out doing some hiring. Uh, do you have you done any uh, office or clerical work, Miss Dobbs? I, I've only done a little bit here and there. I've been trying to look for work after the uh, the money I was given by by her at the end of last year. It's it's now pretty much started to run out, so I've had to start looking around for for more employment. I mean, I, primarily I was employed as a maid, so my I've not got much by way of administrative skills, but I I know how to at least push buttons on a typewriter, just not very quick. Mm. Well, um, after uh, Paul Dunbar's law office is rebuilt after the fire, I'll uh, see if I can find a job on the staff for you there, even if it's a cleaning situation. Her eyes light up, and you can see this is not only is it made her uh, made a month; it's probably made the best part of a year. And mm. yeah, you you can see her eyes start to water up in gratitude. A gross pipe says. I could also find you a job as well, if need be, if uh, Swafford Harris cannot. I have quite a large staff myself that help with some of my clerical jobs and cleaning, so I'm always looking for people. You can see her, her jaw kind of goes a little a little lax, almost as if she would be uh, trying to catch flies, as the expression goes. I've been searching for employment for about a couple of months and not finding anything and now I've got two two offers in the space of as as, as few a minutes well, I, I can't thank you enough well, we don't want you um, having to go back on your word to Miss Williams after all uh, I'm yes. sure it was uh, a hardship for you to feel disloyal after all that time but I think given what seems to have happened to her and her staff I think you were very wise to get out when you did I just got. I, I worry about her. I just worry that what whatever she's done has kind of corrupted her, or or some. I don't. I just. I just don't know what's going on with with her. That this is just. This is madness. This. This is. 
this isn't stuff that we were meant to know. This is this is she's meddling and playing with the power reserved for God. God or gods, yes. Um, gentlemen, do you have any other questions? Or should we uh, leave this gentle lady to her afternoon? Well, if she has a hand mirror or a pocket mirror I could borrow, that'd be very useful. Oh, yeah, she, she'll certainly have one. She says, hey, keep it. <laughs> now that I've got a, at least two job offers, I've got, mon I've got money to afford to buy another one. There you go. I'll take her pocket mirror guilt-free. <laughs> there you go. Is that protection against Aurora? Yes, if we anger her, well, we can probably anger her, get her to slip up if she sees her own reflection. We don't really need... I mean, there are shops in London. We don't actually have to take a mirror from Miss It's convenient Dobbs. now. And uh might be fitting that it's her mirror. Mm, yes. And I leave... I leave some details with uh, Vermis. She can. Yep, use. definitely, definitely leaves it like a calling card, etc. Yeah. Indeed. Um, does she have uh, any family at all remaining, Miss Williams? Do you know of? Uh, she's got some relatives. No, not no siblings. No, no parents. But I think she's got a couple, an aunt and uncle. Uh, so the the wider family, there is there is definitely some connection to. Um, not that she reached out to them at all after what what had happened to her. I think she was too too embarrassed or too uh, too shy to do so. Yes. So there's no one she's really close to except the staff. Yeah. No immediate family. There's pretty much her and her. Her entourage, or like I said, her her adopted family—you could almost put put it as we we pretty much became. And she didn't have any sort of guru or anything. She was doing this uh, esoteric research on her own. Yeah, as as I said, she got this she got this demented idea in her head that if she could control flame, that she could try and reverse the the damage that had been done to her, and she started putting out feelers to try and get as many books on the subject um, as possible from various different contacts that she had in saying booksellers in London and across across the country but it was all all self-taught as far as I'm as far as I know I'd, I'm not aware of there being any kind of guru or any other figure it's all all stuff that she she professed to be self-taught in and in addition to resenting Dunbar for betraying her in the settlement, Whitaker for the fire happening in the first place, and Chamberlain for being imperfectly able to repair her, did she have any other objects of enmity that you know of? You can see the cog, almost see the cogs turning. And uh, no, um, I I don't believe so. It was, if anything, it was a very almost all-consuming hatred of those three that maybe blinded out any anyone else. But I, I'm, I certainly can't remember anyone that she had as that kind of intense dislike to. Hmm. Well, maybe it's all over with then. With Whitaker out of the country, duly warned. Did well, she I... speak in German to the? 
dancing star? Well, she she was well, was or presumed still is uh, a multilinguist. I mean, she used to travel all over the all over Europe, all over the world, and she, I know that she could definitely speak German. Um, she could speak French, uh, Spanish, Italian, and a few of the few of the classics as well that, uh, from back in her back in her days of education. But right. yeah, I, I know this book was written in German, but I I, I I personally can't speak it. It's all it might as well be Greek to me. Yes. I'm wondering if such a book is available at the library, British Library, copy of it, or uh, so forth. Um, I should like very much to take a look at it. It wouldn't perhaps, have the same notes in the margins. Perhaps no, not, but there might but also would be give an insight. An advice, perhaps counter spells or counter counter things. Yeah, this is quite formidable, gentlemen. We have a very politically powerful woman, very financially Indeed. powerful woman, and now she's mad with power <laughs> from uh, an unnatural source. And that's being any information we can get is uh, useful to us. So just by having a blank copy of the text would be useful. Can anyone speak German? Oh, actually. I can. German forty percent because I could I could speak many languages but German is apparently not one of them. <laughs> also, bear in mind when you go for, uh, when you go that far back uh, that you're looking at the fifteenth century. High. Yeah, oh, it's, it's not going to be modern German. No, so you're going to be you're going to have to roll uh, at least a hard difficulty for if you're just using yeah. modern German to try and translate this thing. I only have Latin, unfortunately. Um, one one question I have for her is, in terms of this apocalyptic event, what was the details on that? Well, I remember that she, the the book itself did discuss pyromancy, which is the the ability to uh, to divine the future, and that she said she saw something horrible, something terrible coming, mm -hmm. and that she had to try and convince us that what she what she'd seen was real, and that. It, this display down at the warehouse in Silvertown was supposed to be that demonstration because she couldn't get us to see, she couldn't get us to see the, the upcoming apocalypse, as she called it, unless we believed and were willing enough to try and learn this, this spell, this incantation of gazing into the fire to see what was coming. Mm -hmm. The very much, even though we would say we're all very much, very much a family, um, we were all skeptical up until the point where she called down a f this ball of fire out of the sky, and maybe the others have maybe learnt some of what she was she mm. was learning and maybe seen this upcoming disaster. If, even if there is one, I I don't know what is well, what it is that she saw. She just she just said the world was ablaze. It would make sense from the gods in the sky, as I again look up at the sky. <laughs> gods. But we will get to the bottom of this. I'm sure we will. There could be a reasonable explanation or, well, I don't think there is any reasonable explanation at this point, but we can get to the bottom of it. I, I hope so. I'm hoping that there's uh, 
body count stops here. <laughs> I yes, I sure that. hope so. Right, so can take it seemingly then that you're leaving uh, Dobbs's apartment. Where, where, or what do you want to do next? There's, there was mention of the British Library. If you want to go there, yeah, definitely the British Library is there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, it take long to find out whether they have anything of the sort in their collection. Well, yes, and it, between it might... the two of us. Davidge knows German, and then between our occult knowledge as well, we can hopefully. Considering our clear. occult backgrounds, we probably have, we're probably card carrying, uh, you know, because usually you, a lot, yeah, a lot of the stuff you would have to get clearance for. I probably definitely have. <laughs> we probably both do, yeah. Wear the white right. gloves, touch old books. Right. Who wants to give me? Well, in fact, this would be a group luck roll rather than a single person. So, whoever has the lowest luck, give mm. me a roll. I have sixty-six. I have sixty luck. Sixty-two. I have fifty-five. You need to keep your mouth shut. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and out. What's Melvin got? Oh, sorry, luck. Yeah, lower than 55, right? Yeah, I'm 51. Oh. Thank God, because I rolled a 77. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Right, over to Melvin. And I rolled a 51. Spot on. Nice. Hang on. Okay. In, in which case, um, because one of the things that they uh, obviously prepared when, uh, when war was announced and there was the fear of the imminent impending bombing campaign which is yet to materialize um, a lot of the uh, rarer books from the british library and the collections were completely transferred out of there and moved into converted underground stations that were effectively uh very deep level shelters and bunkers oh. um, as it happens this particular book has not been moved that it has not been considered uh, rare enough to be uh, to be uh stationed away or put in a vault somewhere so when you get to the British Library, you can you can ask for it, and they can they can bring it up to you. They'll they'll ask that you wear, uh, yeah. or gloves when you handle this thing because it is exceptionally old. But yeah, it is a, uh, it is a real book. Excellent. All right. Who um, wants to give me a hard German role to try and uh, try and translate this thing? Well, in Leland, you might be able to help us some because when you get back to Middle High German. There is a lot of Latin influence in some of the texts. So, uh, I got, uh, where's my chairman? Was 40. I got a, I got a 54. That's a lot of luck to spend. Do you want to spend 14 to know what this thing is? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Right. I'll, I'll just read the whole description of the mundane yeah. part of the book. I think so my it's... character is greedy for the knowledge. So. <laughs> yeah. It's all interesting stuff. So it's a leather-bound book. It's eight by six uh, in size with a hub spine. Uh, there are metal-covered uh, metal corners. 
Uh, the covers are decorated with three rectangular bands comprising of classical iconography surrounding a central gold leaf coat of arms that has long worn away into obscurity. Uh, two leather straps hold the book closed. The interior text is handwritten in a flowing black script in German. Uh, paragraphs at the start of a new section are written in red ink and begin with a large capital letter straddling two lines of text. There are, on average, 24 lines of text on each page. The book is approximately 160 pages in length. There are no illustrations, only text. And this Renaissance work discusses in detail the seven Ars Magica as, as, previously, uh, as previously outlined. The main body of the text only takes a few hours to read and there is no odd content. So it is a normal, well, mundane occult text in that sense. So when you say no odd content, we're not seeing any... It's not a mythos tome. Is okay, the, uh, it's not a mythos tome. Correct. So whatever whatever um, Aurora has learned must have been in those marginalia that were around okay. the different pages. The the, te the texts that have been written after the book had been penned. Ah. Uh, but you yes, you now this... have you now have a good knowledge of what uh, at least the real well, the real or mundane pyromancy rituals involved. So you'd be able to potentially then put another half of that puzzle together if you've got the marginalia to read through. I see. Okay. Uh, and is there anything about a marble triangle in there? Or did she get that from her extracurricular? The, the only reference to triangle is that it's the alchemical symbol for fire. So it's the tri a triangle is mentioned, but there's nothing specific about making like a slab out of marble. Mm. So again, that may be stuff that she's got from the marginalia or maybe from another source, but it's certainly not that's anything that's contained here. Now, but I am curious. powerful symbol. I am curious. Um, these are all uh, uh, copied out, you know, like monks would do in a monastery. Um, yeah. But are they, so are they in black letter? Yes, the black okay, letter with a red, uh, a red, a red font to and uh, to designate the beginning of a paragraph. Okay, but no, uh, no little illumination around everything. No, no, pretty, none, none of the text. Simple. None of the text is illuminated. It's, it is qu quite a basic written, basic. Um, written book. And okay. As an aside, if any um, if any of you wanted to have a look later, and likewise any uh, any listeners, you can find scanned copies of this particular book online, which is the <laughs> yes, uh, the reference I, I, I yeah I, I found it also yeah. Um, but um, is there? These are obviously copies, mm -hmm. or do we actually have in our hands the original? Oh, it's an original, so it would have been one of the original copies that were made, because there would be multiple okay. copies of the book that would have been written. All right, so she had a copy, and somebody, either she or somebody before her, made a number of uh, annotations throughout the book, uh, referencing other things. Um, Very unfortunately. So if we could find out where she got her copy and from whom, although I don't see how that's even possible. Well, there is a way of doing that, and I did ah. take this into account, because the bookseller community in London is very much focused around one particular street, uh, Charing Cross Road. 
So if anyone was going to have any idea or connections as to where a book like this could have been found or sold, all you have to do is go up and down Charing Cross Road to try and find that particular particular bookstore that has information about that. That's a very good idea. And we're probably quite familiar with some of those booksellers. Indeed, yeah. Well, that's a fun little project for George and I. Indeed. Um, if mm. uh, Unless you want to come with us, it will be quite boring. But... Uh, well, not one of us, but not me and you. <laughs> but no, I think, I think I think we should uh, return to uh, the office in the hotel and begin our preparations for intercepting the fallen star. Perhaps oh, if we can, that. perhaps of if water. We have 40 fire extinguishers. It, it danced away from it as though it didn't want to be touched. Um, we'll have more fire extinguishers this time. We'll have, yes, a, a cartload. Uh, Leland is obsessed with the truck, so perhaps he can be downstairs and spot and perhaps even intercept it. And Andrew and I, and after you've done your book shopping, you can join us at the hotel if you wish. But I expect she'll try to strike him. She seems to be quite impatient. Uh, this is going to sound a little silly, perhaps, but could there be something at a local foundry that might give us an assistance? Uh, don't they use special gloves that are used to handle molten metal and something of great temperature, a crucible, perhaps, to trap the thing in? I just want to chill it out of existence. I don't really want to trap it. Well, you trap it, then you douse it with uh, water. Also, or... keep in mind that in order for both of these people to get got, there needed to be something planted in there in order for the thing to be attracted to that particular position well so, we, we we don't know whether the marble i mean that we thought the marble altar was important and and dobbs implied that it was but we have no reason to believe that one got into dunbar's office although well, maybe the, that's what smith was doing yeah we the umbrella we didn't ask her about smith you can rewind and um, potentially go either go back to her place or give her a call on the phone if you want to ask her about uh, about him. Yes. Uh, I, while these guys are pouring over the middle high, whatever Swiss German, I'll just phone the boarding house and have a word. Sure. Uh, was there anyone named Smith in uh, Aurora Williams' employer, to your knowledge? Smith? Um, common common name, but I can't can't yeah. remember. I don't recall anyone by that name in her employ. No. Was there anyone on the staff that would, you would describe as exceptionally bland and difficult to notice? I, only myself, I would have thought, but uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that there's anyone that fits that kind of description. They all and have she, fairly distinguishing features. She had, she didn't have guests at all, right? She was entirely a recluse. Oh, very much. She just completely shunned any kind of visitor. So we're looking for a peculiar man who carries an umbrella when it's hot out. 
that that definitely doesn't ring ring any bells. Uh, I I it was a bit of a long shot, but I want to leave no stone unturned. Um, thank you again. Oh, you'll be hearing from us. No now, thinking of no stone unturned, um, if people are thinking about that, uh, you can give me idea rolls to see if there's maybe for piecing together little bits of what you've got, you might be able to might be able to reach a few conclusions. No mm. irregular success. Okay. What was the role for? Uh, idea. Just idea to see if you think when um, Melvin mentions about no stone unturned. <laughs> That whether there's anything about that particular slab that you might be able to piece together as to uh, what some ideas of what's what what is used for what. I got okay. a James Bond 007. I got okay. You're not going <laughs> to believe me, but I got no one. Uh, excellent. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, there is no, there is no benefit for rolling an O one on idea checks. But that's that's fine. <laughs> but like th this is ridiculous. I don't know what's happening with my dice. It, it, your dice are setting you up for a fall. That's what they do with me. Yeah. So, um, with, with an O one, I will I will fire some bits over. Fire <laughs> some bits over to you. Um, if you think back to what happened in the garden, uh, back at the back of Teresa's place, the thing that came down out of the sky did so after uh, the the fella had. Uh, had his cigarette lit for him he stared very intently at the f uh, at the flame and then a few moments later this thing came falling down out of the sky admittedly the stone was there at the time but was it necessarily needed was it a component in what uh, what this yeah, it does sound like cast... a ritual component yeah it doesn't sound like he actively was using it because the that stone was uh, covered under a tarp Right. in the ne in the next garden so it's too far away he wouldn't have known where it was he couldn't really have used it so you think that's it's outside of this the stone being used to call one of these things down now aurora used a similar one from what you've got the description from dobbs but if it had been well marinated or covered in blood that's probably something she would have uh, would have mentioned about so you're thinking this this the particular slab, the triangle that was uh, was covered in blood, probably serves another purpose entirely. But you don't know, you don't have enough info as to what that purpose could be yet. So that is an unknown. But the, that thing does something else entirely. It doesn't call uh, call these balls of flame down from the sky. I mean, like, you know, she was trying to heal herself. Maybe it was like some blood capture. Mm -hmm. That that was definitely her intention, but whether there was anything that uh, was Why in the book there? that could do it. But then also, when uh, when you think back to the uh, event in Dunbar's office, there was no triangle stone or any ritual component there. Right. Yeah, there wasn't so... even a lit fire in Dunbar's office before the Correct. fireball came in. Correct. So whatever must have been done must have been done from further afield this thing if anything with with your 01 you'd think would have been commanded to go to do this job this was for, this was fulfilling an order it was given i'm so no kind one, of leaning no towards cast, no one summoned it there yeah. yeah i was kind of leaning towards the fact that they might need fire in order to channeled their magics and maybe the person who summoned it at Dunbar's office just lit a cigarette across the street. And, and we kind of thought that 
uh, in the garden that they were just servants, but they summoned it, or the man summoned it. So they they all know. They're this. all they have, this They all have magic. this ability. So in case there is a confrontation, be wary of any open flame. I would actually prioritize the open flames more so than ever. So they can't do whatever heinous magics. Well, they could just carry a match in their pocket and have... Yeah, and then we can spray it with the fire extinguisher. Well, but the thing came through crashing through the window. It's not as though we could douse London so that there's no flames for them to use without. The ARP wardens across the city would thank you if you could do that. Indeed. Because that would make their life a lot easier. Right, but when we've got, you know, three to five agents in Whitaker's office armed with two fire extinguishers each, that bloody little fire devil will have a hell of a time getting out. Exactly. Some buckets of sand. I don't think we need to go to a, you know, a well, find some forging equipment. I think we want to get some good fireproof gloves and, uh, you know, just prepare for dousing the place yeah the buckets of sand is uh is also a good idea yes. easily procured you don't For even sure. have to go to the beach to get it but you can definitely get hold of some gauntlets not i'm not going to put any barriers in the way there so you can have a couple of asbestos lined uh lined gloves they'll do wonders for you in the um, in the future this is great so while green and gross scour the 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 street for their book the source seller book. uh i suppose the three of us shall take up a uh, position waiting you're waiting back at the hotel yes yes mm -hmm. okay right um what order should we do this in? I think probably what would happen because I know the yeah the because the timing of what uh, what goes down is important here. So you'd probably finish the bookstore uh, the bookstore run say going down Charing Cross Road before anything happens at the hotel. So, uh, in which case, Davidge and Melvin, you're the two going down Charing Cross Road. Yes. Okay. You do find there is uh, this, a couple of the major bookstores are very much uh, the ones that deal with more odd texts, uh, particularly rare occult texts would fall into this, but also very rare historical texts as well. So very much mm -hmm. antiquarian book uh, bookstores, and yeah, one of the uh, one of the gentlemen you speak to in there. A uh, fellow by the name of uh, Thomas Clark, so runs Clark Books, uh, the Clark oh. Bookshop. Yeah, Mr. Clark. Yeah, yeah, he's he's almost certainly a person you've dealt mm. with before. He is he is a bookseller of repute, so he is someone that has a a good reputation behind him. He's an upstanding uh, gentleman. Um, he will be not bound by any kind of client confidentiality. But will quite happily tell you that yes, I did indeed sell a uh, copy of the uh, this uh, book of forbidden arts to uh, to a Miss uh, to a Miss Williams last year, 
Um, I was I was a little bit disappointed because I um, I put out some feelers to be able to get hold of a copy of the of the book, um, but the only one that I could procure ended up being uh, was swamped with marginalia. Uh, there was lots of extra text that had been added to the uh, to the book or to the margins of the book that I thought might detract from the from the actual contents that she was after. In the provenance, were you ever able to to figure out who had made all the marginalia? I, I, I I'm not a particularly uh, my my German could do with some improvement, shall we say? Ah. Um, well, so the I marginalia was also in German. Yes, it was. Yes, um, very much a different hand. It was very much a different handwriting. It was, yes. must have been written some, I would maybe say, hundreds of years after the original. Uh, the original book was uh, was produced. Uh, but from what I remember, there was no signature or name inside. It was purely comments by previous readers. Almost maybe students of the occult or students of uh, Renaissance arts. Um, no list of previous owners. And not that I'm a, not that I'm aware of. Um, but if you're looking for providence of where uh, some of these tomes can come from, I, mean, I, I only have obviously the go the seller that I'd originally picked this up from. Mm -hmm. um, but an associate of mine, um, he runs a bookstore just off. Uh, tra uh, just off Trafalgar Square, um, he might be able to help you if you wanted to go and pay him a visit. Oh, yes, yes, thank yes, you. indeed. Thank as you. It, as it turns out, we are interested in the marginalia as much as oh. the book itself. Yes, oh. they actually seem to have added. They have some worth after all, then. <laughs> indeed. And this uh, bookseller is his name. What's his name? Oh, um, what was his name? Um, Goodman, Lester Goodman. <laughs> if only I'd written this before before that uh, idea had uh, germinated into my head. No, um, I don't know, he's. I can't remember for the life of me what the what the fellow's name was. The um, but I remember the the fellow that I've dealt with over there. He's not the owner of the store, but I believe he works there at sometimes. Um, Reginald Fotheringay. That he's the main point of contact I've had before. Reginald, Reginald, Reginald Fotheringay. Reg, yeah, they call him. He likes to be called Reggie for short. Re, yeah, Reggie Fotheringay. Mm. That's a very, very uh, upper class name. Oh yeah, he's he's a he's definitely a, a refined gentleman. So oh, it's good to it's good to know. Yeah, carries himself uh, with a with a good degree of dignitas, one one might say. Mm -hmm. And we well, will get on very much. well. Yes, yes, thank you thank very you. much. Yeah. Yeah, so you you have the address for this uh, bookstore that's just off Trafalgar Square. Okay. So that's where we're heading next. Okay. Yeah, you head down there. Uh, the street that this uh, that is of this side street off uh, Trafalgar Square is very very little used it doesn't have much of a thoroughfare of traffic or footfall going uh going through it but you do find there is uh this bookstore uh that's there um just with the the head of books across the top of it the the front store looks like it's been uh like wooden panels like uh shutters that's what i'm looking for on the inside that have closed the uh, closed the front windows up but there's a door 
like almost like um a side door that would go up to presumably like a flight of stairs that would go up to an apartment above because you can see there are rows of windows up above here again curtains all shut and yeah the place looks almost not deserted but doesn't look as though it's been in business for a little while now Not open for a while mm. well george shall we go upstairs and knock and see if anybody's home yes we must Mm. Yeah, there is there is a little buzzer by that side door. Ah, buzzer. Mm. Okay, you uh you push the button, and after a few moments, you can hear there is a step, 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 or footfall coming down a staircase inside, and the door opens, and a very average-looking guy that you've seen before opens the door. Mister Smith. But you know him as Mister Smith, yes. Oh. Mr. He looks, yeah, he looks oh. rather surprised to see you. <laughs> oh, what a very strange coincidence. Uh, Mr. Smith, was it? He raised or is it Farthingay? You, uh, you have me at a bit of a disadvantage there. And yes, the, the name is Reginald Fotheringay. We, uh, we met at uh, Mr. Dunbar's office. Oh, I, I remember, okay. I remember. Yes. Um, I was, we were hoping to speak with you about a certain book that we were researching. A certain book? Yes, we were sent here from, uh, uh, um, my, my handwriting, Charing Cross Road. Uh, and, uh, we were told that you might have some extra knowledge on uh, uh, Das Buch. Uh, das Buch of Forbidden Knowledge. <laughs> Arts. I think you'd better come in and have a word with uh, with an associate of mine. Very good. He, he looks He looks around. Is there just the... How many How many of you are there there? Because of the, 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 the other bunch George of hotel. Me. Right. It's just yeah, um, he looks around, he looks around and says, "I'm fairly sure that from what uh, what feelers I've put out, it's not just the two of you working on this." Well, you met my associate, Mister uh, Sparfield Harris. Yes, I have a feeling that uh, my because my associate would probably want to have a word with uh, with all of you. Ah, um, can I ask the name of your associate? Uh, you, you can certainly ask, but I won't uh, diverge that outside. This is rather sensitive. Uh, please, well, then, way. Maybe we go inside then. Wait yeah, let's uh, I'll fo follow me up here. And he basically gestures for you to come inside and pull the door shut behind you. There isn't really any way for him to pull the door shut behind you because right. it's such a narrow staircase that goes right. up to what seems to be a, a corridor up the top of the stairs. That you're pretty much one person can only fit up this staircase at one time. Right. So he 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 goes up a few steps and gestures for you to come in and to pull the door shut. Thank you for allowing us to come inside. Uh, mm -hmm. You seem to be aware of what we're going to say before we say it. Uh, well, um, 
as I've mentioned, this is a particularly sen uh, sensitive uh, subject. I mean, I represent a particular branch of the government and the UK government that has taken an interest in uh, Miss Williams. And we've run into some problems that we're hoping that, well, frankly, a uh, a group that are completely disavowed from ourselves, or the rather that we can completely disavow all knowledge of and have no link back to us, might be able to succeed where we failed. So hence I've been able to grease, uh, grease the wheels of certain bits of the administration that might have otherwise been preventing you from doing your job. Um, I think I have a, an idea of what you might be saying. Let me ask one question first for the sake of our own personal security. Why were you there at Mr. Dunbar's office? Mainly to ask, well, to conduct a bit of a character, uh, not character assassination, um, a character assessment that we we believed that there was an impending threat on his life. Ah. We were checking to see whether A, he was aware of it, and if there was anyone in the area that also might be, as, as the uh, parlance goes, casing the joint, anyone that may have been around him that may have been identified as the as an assassin oh. so i was actually rather interested in yourself when you uh turned up to sit down there and wait in his waiting room <laughs> hmm. i must admit we have been wondering about you yourself for being there for the same reason uh can you in some way prove to the two of us that you are actually working with the government. Yeah, and uh, if you'd like to follow me, I'll take you up to my handler. You have credentials. Ah, I see. Okay, yes. Mm -hmm. handler. handler. Yes. Um, this way, he's kind of talking over his shoulder as he's heading up the heading up the stairs. Yes. Um, N doesn't particularly like his name being thrown around in public. You see. I see. Oh, you call him by a number, a letter, like uh... that. That's that's his designation. Yes. I see. I see. Mm. Well, that's very interesting. Um, yes, please lead the way. Yeah, follow, follow, follow me. And he takes you upstairs to this, say, narrow corridor that seems to connect a series of these maybe flats or offices that run along this uh, particular side of the street. And he takes you over to a uh, a red door that he just knocks on it gently. And there's a a male voice on the other side that just uh, very firmly says, "Enter." And he opens the door and just as for you to follow him, follow him inside. And inside is this fairly dingy office. There's a desk on the, the far end of the room where there's a couple of telephones. Well, there's one uh, one red, one black. Uh, there's a in tray and out tray, the stacked papers and this fairly gaunt uh, individual. It doesn't look as though he's seen sunlight for probably a decade at this point. Mm. Um, that's working there. Uh, there's a an ashtray on one side that's just uh, filled of cigarette butts, and but a nice inkwell on one side, and this odd-looking green soapstone statue perched on the edge of the desk that's got pointed towards him from from the back. Though it looks almost like it's got some kind of bald head or or tentacle face or squid feature but then the back has got this pair of wings that are tucked back 
sat on this uh, cuboid uh, almost plinth with weird marks surrounding the base. And that's uh, what you see immediately at the other end of the room. To the corner that's opposite, uh, opposite him, near a window, there's a large bookcase where there's a whole array of fairly old books. And um, glancing over um, just literally uh, some of the titles, uh, for someone as such as yourself that has knowledge of these things, that some of these titles are familiar, uh, such as mm. uh, the Sussex Manuscript, uh, there's uh, Divermis Mysteries, Unash uh, Bradley and Colton. Mm. Yes. So the, these are books that you would be familiar with as being uh, of a certain a certain kind of discerning reader. And scattered, scattered all over the floor at the base of the bookcase are lots of folders that all have the same uh, mark on the front that just says Top Secret. Uh, uh, they're marked with uh, Ministry of Defense or Ministry of War, depending on how old the files are. Um, these are all definitely government papers that have just been thrown with a degree of disregard on the floor, whereas these books are treated with a, a definite reverence as to how they've been put on these shelves. Hmm. You're an occult branch of the English government. <laughs> oh, he, um, the, the gentleman behind the desk uh, chuckles slightly at that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say we're a branch particularly dedicated solely to the occult, but we ha we are a, represent a branch of the government that are interested in the occult. So there's a subtle difference here. Fascinating. <laughs> well, I was asking for some sort of verification that I could trust you as members of the British government. Um, would you would you like to speak to Mr. Churchill? I can get him on the phone if you want. Uh, no, that's not necessary. I, I do believe you because there's otherwise what an elaborate setup you would have here for absolutely <laughs> no reason whatsoever. Um, so, if I may begin at the beginning, uh, our group, as you might call it, uh, it actually begins with uh, me and uh, one of my other neighbors, who happen to be the neighbors, and I will go through oh, the I'll list feel. of of the everything that's happening. And there seems to be some sort of witchcraft, if you will, going on, uh, using uh, the book of forbidden arts, or rather the marginalia in the book. Um, but that was supplied by the bookseller, you know, and uh, we suspect that uh, that the lady in question is, in fact, summoning something. Um, I think that's about as far as that we've gotten. Uh, but uh, we do recognize that we may be in severe danger because of this fire thing. I think that we're all stockpiling fire extinguishers and buckets of water. I would like very much to bring the others in on this now that we've met you. You seem yeah, to be this, rather this... secretive. Yeah, this this does seem <laughs> to be something I think we should all be singing from the same hymn sheet on. Um, he turns to Fotheringay and says, uh, Reggie, would you be able to get a car to go over to this? Uh, I presume you filled them all and you would say where, right. where the others are. Uh, that you yeah, get uh, Reggie get a car sent over to the hotel and bring them bring them here. 
so that we can have a discussion with everyone face to face. Bruce should probably go with you just to make sure that he doesn't. If you came up and said, you know, come with us, they'd be quite frightened. That, that sounds completely reasonable. So, so yeah, if you if one mm-hmm. one of you wishes to go uh, to go collect the others, that would certainly help help speed things. Uh, well, Grace will definitely be. Um... Reluctant because he's more um, enthralled by all these texts and statue. <laughs> he's kind of not paying attention to the conversation. He's more looking and wanting to dive into. Now, Mr. Gross was perhaps the first witness to the actual object in question, the thing. Uh, uh, yes. This is also fascinating. I could spend we'll go hours. Get the others and bring them back as quickly as possible. Um, uh, if, will they be at my place? Uh, they'll be at the hotel, so you could get. I'll um, be at the hotel. Over, over to Mayfair from here isn't too difficult to ride. You could probably okay. be there and back in the space of about half an hour. So. There's also a question of a large, fairly not not very large, a triangular slab of uh, marble that we'll have to get to you. I don't, we don't know how it relates yet, but we did find it. That sound, definitely sounds like yes. something we can have our have our guys have a look at. It's next to the primrose in my garden. Yes. <laughs> Hidden under the tarp. Yeah. Hidden under the what, tarp. What is this statue? <laughs> As I look at them. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, he um He'll reach over and t- turn it round slowly towards you, seeing this very tenticular, uh, tenticular face. Oh, uh, it, it, he will have. Oh, go South Seas Islands. Uh, very close uh, re- representations of this particular, uh, this particular entity have been discovered all over the world in various forms. Uh, some have been recovered from the coast of Greenland. Others from the. Uh, from the the east coast of the United States, it's uh, unfortunately it's uh, popped up all over the place, and this particular oh, one came to us. Is it always the seafaring people, the uh, octopoid? Uh... Well, either seafaring or those that live under the sea. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the merfolk. Uh, um, oh, so has George gone? <laughs> well, sounds like he was going to be the one that was uh, look, looking into the books, but uh, yeah, we we can we can do a quick montage. But if you want to uh, to have gone to pick up, or George has gone to pick up the uh, the others, then you can be all brought into End's office at this point. This yeah, is Mr. Leland. Uh, he's my neighbor. Um, he was severely burned by the thing in question. I, I noticed the, is... uh, the bandages kind of give it or give it away. Yeah. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, I wasn't expecting this kind of anything. It's, but... it's, it seems we've stumbled on a secret of the government. Giant. Uh, all the help we can get. We're, we're not exactly secret, but we are classified. Uh. Um, we work within an organization that's been relatively newly formed, uh, mm-hmm. referred to as the Special Operations Executive. 
So, but uh, myself, my connection with the UK government precedes the uh, precedes the current conflict by a, a number of decades. Hmm. I was uh, assigned to this particular uh, this particular branch, but hmm. even so, with uh, even with all the access that we have, we still run into the problem that. Uh, Unfortunately, we we are bound by legal ta legal tape as much as anyone else. Uh, he grits his well, this is Mister Ongrave. Uh, he's a private detective, mm -hmm. and this is Mister Spofford Harris. Um, we are all associated with uh, Teresa, uh, and that's why we we all got involved quite innocently. So you also understand the dire circumstances that we are in. Yes, we we've approached this from a somewhat different angle. Uh, to um, to fill you in on how we got involved in this, uh, Fotheringay here, and he judge uh, gestures to Reggie in the corner, um, became aware uh, through mon just mundane uh, mundane intelligence net gathering that reports of falling stars over a warehouse in uh, Silvertown had been reported at the back end of last year. And once we started to get what corroborating witness statements we could, that basically come down to a few kids that have been playing late night, uh, late out um, in the streets that night, had seen what they described as a falling star come down from the uh, come down from the sky, which, obviously, from your discussions with this uh, Mister Janice Dodd, uh, Dobbs. Uh, seems to describe this uh, around the same time that Williams performed this right to call this thing down from the heavens. Uh. Uh, we, we've encountered uh, creatures like this before in uh, at least some texts and some uh, some operations that we've had that we've performed that they are particularly dangerous and anyone that's wielding these things could be effectively have a very potent weapon of arson at their disposal. Not to mention also the fact they would have so much light available to them that uh, would make it very easy for a Ger for German bombers to be able to find where they were calling them. So again, oh, it's a, a mundane security concern. Even if you take uh, take away the uh, the element of strangeness around this. But once we'd started digging and found that it was kind of owned by the Williams Shipping Company, that presented a whole barrage of problems for us because the Williams family, as you as you've already identified, have significant political influence. If we're going to be moving against them, we need to have an airtight and completely irrefutable or un not de undebunkable barrage of evidence of our own to support any kind of movement we make we cannot go into this without a without a full ammo well, a, a full gun loaded if you get my meaning here hmm. and that's the problem we've stumbled into we've got plenty of circumstantial evidence we've got plenty of well, reports to corroborate oh she bought she purchased a certain book but that's not going to stand up in court just by saying oh she brought a particular she brought a book that could potentially have arcane information in that that's not going to hold up in any court in the land not not here not anywhere in the world yes so they'll just laugh you out of court precisely we need complete concrete evidence that if she was involved in a crime then we can move against her we can get uh, we can get paperwork to be able to basically a a warrant to be able to go into her 
into her house, into her residences, her places of work, that warehouse, and find any incriminating information that would basically, A, tie her to this, but anything criminal, we can then lock her up. That's our problem. Mm. And that's why Fotheringay here, once he identified the fact that it seemed that there was another um, another group of people sniffing around the same uh, around the same topic that were not connected with the government, you you effectively presented us with a great opportunity that we couldn't pass up having a complete a group that we could completely disavow all knowledge of because it won't come back and burn us. But now that you've come across come to our literal come literally come to our door. I think it's uh, time that we join forces and actually work a bit more as as one on this. So if you're willing to uh, to act with us and, well, if all else goes well, potentially even join our little network, that this is some this would be of great benefit to both of our groups. I should think it substantially increases the likelihood that we shall survive next week, given that Ms. Williams is a rather implacable enemy. I'm not so worried about survival. We are British citizens, and we do believe in, you know, standing up for what's right. Um, but it seems to me that you're asking us to be able to use our anonymity to do what you can't, to get in where you can't go to. But are you authorizing us to stop what's going on? Depends what she's doing. I mean, a we're trying. We need to work out what it is that she's doing. If she purely has some vendetta against three people, that's hopefully it's all resolved now. But we don't know. That's the problem. That all the information that would point towards why she's doing this, what, she, how she's doing it, and why she's doing it is all locked up in her house or yeah. maybe the warehouse down by uh, down by the Docklands. I, uh, I'm not particularly good at infiltration. I mean, we're going to be spies, after all. Uh, Romantic twiddle. Uh, speaking of which, it's N? Yes. Yes. Uh, so you don't know what I was hoping you might, which is what sort of apocalyptic um, notions that Williams has. Again, whatever information she has, we're guessing if she has it, will be in her 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 place of residence probably right. unlikely that it would be in the warehouse or any other place of work connected with the Williams uh, shipping company given that she's hardly left that building we imagine it would be in her residence but we can't get in there we at least none of, none of our let's say full-time members of staff would be because if the, if it came back that where they had acted uh, and not found what they were looking for they could land themselves in some very hot water indeed but as I said, the, we have no direct official on paper connection with the five of you. But we can arrange for you to have all the paperwork necessary to make it look like you are acting with um, proper authority. So we oh. can we can arrange for fake uh, for fake police IDs to be produced for you, and then a warrant to be uh, to be issued for you to have a look and and gain access to the Williams estate, uh, the Williams house. Once you're in there, it's the would then be your job to find whatever you can to basically uh, build a case around around her. Well, I think we'd we'd have to have some sort of guarantee that uh, 
should we get into a great deal of legal problems in this that you'll bail us out, so to speak? Yes, we, we can do that because we can make, well, not that I'm wanting to disturb you by using this term, we can make people like uh, people like yourselves disappear quite easily. No, so being able okay. to remove you from any kind of danger, not a problem, but it's significantly harder to remove one of our own that is already a known member of uh, either the SOE or the um, Network N to be able to get them out of that problem. So this is where your... your um, your disconnect from our organization becomes a very a very potent advantage that we can use okay understood we've already proven ourselves as capable detectives and researchers this is just the next step yes yeah, definitely mr ongrave I, I believe that what he's telling us is that should we get into a serious danger uh, scrape they can relocate us to a secret location and we can start new lives but that means that our our current lives will be swept away i mean i have a rather substantial rather small estate uh, quite frankly i, I have nothing to lose i wouldn't want I'm to not lose all of that though it, that's also at the very extreme end. This is like a last-ditch resort. We wouldn't just do this as a first, as a default action, because as I say, it, it, up, it completely upturns people's lives, and it's a lot of effort for us to do this. Okay. But if it's necessary, then we can do it. But that's only of a case of if we need to. If you need to do it. Yeah, well, I, I, I would... I, come to that. I, I imagine that Mr. Gross and I would very much want to keep our collection... Uh, so that would have to be spirited away as well and uh, brought to a new location. Uh, Mr. Spoffett Harris has a has a rather uh, lucrative job. That, uh, yes, well, um, I mean, we're we're in the midst of war on more than one level. I, of course, you know, I'd rather keep my comfortable home intact and continue to work at the law firm, but it's not precisely the greatest concern, particularly if this woman, who was capable of summoning sentient balls of fire from out of the sky, believes the world's about to end. We might have larger matters at hand than whether we keep the terrazzo in our back garden. Well, the gods are watching us after all. Enjoy the terrazzo in my back garden, yeah, but um, it's, it's, it's uh, very handsome. Uh, I'll so do it for Queen and Country, I guess. Makes makes it's a sacrifice we all have to do, isn't it? Yes, King I'll put King. my king. Yes, yeah, King and Country at this point. <laughs> <gasps> Sorry, well, I know the future. <laughs> <laughs> and also. Um, Sorry, I was just going to say the book was in German. She could be a German. And in that case, all bets are off. Um, that would, if you found evidence of that, that would also make my life a lot easier by being able to pull her in. <laughs> well, I, one question regarding the legal component is um, the uh, the. And thank you, by the way, for getting us out of Detective Drake's office. We could have been there for weeks. Uh, the two um, men who succumbed in. Uh, Teresa Hughes' back garden, mm -hmm. they can be identified as Hughes's, uh, as William's employees, could they not? 
they could be, especially as you've seen uh, from what Mr. Uh, Mr. Green was saying, that you now at least have the surname of one of them. But there's nothing to completely, uh, and with a watertight argument here, state that they were acting under, under her orders. Uh, they could be, they could have been acting under her own volition. This also brings in lots of going round in circles, and it hovers around an issue where we, again, don't have any concrete proof. And this is, a, again, we've butted heads on this a number of times, trying to find ways around this. Do you have any idea whether she summoned up more than one of these things? Oh, well, we we know that she has. Uh, there's reports of falling stars that have been happening all through the uh, all since the last winter. Dear God! And it, so that we know that she summoned at least well, at least six. Oh dear God! She could burn the whole city to the ground if she wanted to. Yeah, not not with just six of those in a fit of peak. They uh, the small ones. Yeah, not not so much the small ones, but there are there are larger ones than than that. And he looks across to um to George as he says that and says, uh, "Yeah, those gods that you say are watching." I believe I believe that. And he just taps the statue on the desk. Yes. Our original reason for coming here was to see if we could deduce where the book that she has that's got all the marginalia has come from. Any ideas on that? We've been trying. To, we tried to do that same kind of uh, thought uh, trail back, um, but it seems to be private collections going back at least a couple of de a couple of generations. And this 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 particular book that she's had, we have no idea who wrote who wrote the marginalia notes in there, or even what's in it. But it just seems to have been passed down from a number of estate sales. One's passed to the next, passed to the next, and it seems like we we're going down a dead end unless we've got some way of being able to go back in time and discuss uh, discuss with whoever wrote the the damn things in the marginalia. Oh. Mr. Ongrave, do you have any uh, burglaring capabilities? <laughs> Mate. <laughs> If we get a hold of the book, we could that may stop her while she's memorized it. I'm good so at we, sneaking around as well. I mean, we, as I'm I not. said, we can definitely we can definitely get your foot in the door. We can provide you with enough official paperwork that she would be stupid to be uh, to reject to just turn you away at her front door again. Like we can arrange for you to have uh, falsified um, IDs and a warrant to be able to enter the premises and ask questions in your inquiries to uh, to Miss Williams. And then if one of you wanted or one or more of you decided that you wanted to go and use the restroom and then start to have a look around to find that book, well, it'd be a shame if you happened to find it and it fell into your pocket, wouldn't it? Indeed. Well, then, um, you are... Uh... We've been appraised of our plan to um, stake out Whitaker's office in the hotel uh, Riverside, but you think that's not a viable opportunity for capturing one of these falling stars? Yeah, Mr. Green was saying that that's where you'd uh, where part of your group had been based. My my feeling is, and why I'm quite happy to have called you all uh, here is that I don't believe they would be making a move upon Whitaker if he was there, this is, um, until this evening, until uh, Fomalhaut rises over the horizon. So you'd you'd have until at least 10 o'clock tonight before that happened. The star 
Yes, these these entities are connected with Fomalhort, or rather, the entity that resides around Fomalhort. That's interesting. Uh, I do have astronomy, so <laughs> yeah. Um, ah, Fomalhort. Fomalhort is the brightest star in the constellation Pisces Austrinus, the southern fish. In the northern hemisphere, it is normally seen in autumn, low in the sky near the southern horizon. Its brightness, more than ten times greater than our sun, in comparison to other stars at this time of year, leads it to sometimes being referred to as the lonely star of autumn. Its modern name derives from Arabic, meaning mouth of the fish, as was described by Ptolemy. The constellation depicts the fish drinking water from the jar held by Aquarius. Others depict the fish saving the world by swallowing the waters of the Great Flood. The Persians call it Hasterang, and it was regarded as one of the four royal stars that guarded the four districts of the night sky. In ancient Greece, Fomalhaut was used as a marker in worship of Demeter, the goddess of harvest, and Eleusis, a municipality in West Attica. The Greeks also associated the star with Typhon, the beast believed to be buried under Mount Etna. In Syria and Canaan, the star was seen to be a symbol of the fish god Dagon. The temple to Dagon in Gaza, destroyed by Samson, was believed to have been oriented towards where the star rose in the night sky. Ah, so a lot of mythology tied to Fomalhaut. Yes. Indeed, and mythology has roots in somewhat darker, darker truths. Indeed. Uh, you said entities surrounding Fomalhaut. Yes, the uh, the entity in particular. Uh, this uh, I hate to use the word god, but unfortunately, it's a it's a word that has been attributed to certain entities which are of a cosmic scale beyond oh. what what man can comprehend. And again, he looks over to uh, to George at the mention of this, who was also vanished appropriately at the time. But yes, the uh, this particular entity, some some referred to it as a god, um, others referred to it just as a a being, an old one, a great old one, some might say. Uh, that some refer to it as Cthulhu, the living flame. Cthulhu yep. does not that does not move alone though. Fathogra is its herald. Um, I'm sorry, who's its herald? Fathogra, say. A lesser being, a almost think of it as a a, a comet size hmm. ball. In fact, some say that it actually travels the universe on a comet. Huh. Uh, um, you'll have to write these words down for me. <laughs> he, he actually will spell that out because if you can find any any documentation that contains the this particular word, then it would go, could potentially be um, evidence to prove, to, at least to him, that she is actually. Uh, Dealing Talented. more with this kind of level of entity rather than just these small little balls of flame. But you, but you were telling me that a, a a classified branch of the British government acknowledges extraterrestrial entities that exist on distant stars. Members of a particular branch, yes, the branch itself. Denies all not denies all such knowledge of these things. I always wondered 
I the official, mean, yeah, the, the official stance is this does not exist. George and I fully believe in certain aspects of the occult. I always wondered if the government, you know, having to keep it secret because otherwise they'll think they'll, they'll think you're lunatics. But you uh, see our problem. That's very interesting. He writes down on some uh, on a on a sheet of paper a couple of the words that he's thrown out there. So you've got Cthulhu, C T H U G H A, uh, Fogwa, which is F T H A G G U A, and the comet that Fogwa supposedly uses to, to traverse the universe is K T Y N G A. Katinga. Oh, it sounds right, like but... jazz. <laughs> so, uh, is this facility facility prepared to give us papers to go to the Williams house immediately? Well, we can't produce this doc, doc such documentation at the drop of a hat, unfortunately. Right. Um, to be able to produce a set a set of documents that would be able to fool uh, Williams and her staff, it's going to take a few hours to put together. We should have it ready by tomorrow morning. Right. So tonight we wait in the hotel for Fomal Hope to rise with our fire extinguishers. In the morning, we come back to a bookshop near Trafalgar Square to get false papers to infiltrate the home of a wealthy paralytic heiress. I think Sounds I shall like need to engage a psychiatrist after this adventure. <laughs> we, we can I arrange was a psychiatrist. <laughs> And we uh, we want to return to our respective dwellings and uh, freshen up. Or do you think that's dangerous? I don't think there's any danger at the minute. If you were in any danger, she probably would have acted by now. I see. You know, um, you were saying something about um, uh, her directing them somehow, and I felt when I was in Dunbar's office that the little sprite disliked me enormously, but didn't have orders to assault me, and so left me unscathed. Is that a possibility? Do you think these things are sufficiently intelligent? Intelligent, but capable emo of emotion. That's That's not quite what we've what we've been led to believe about them. Uh, you know, the, having just seen a colleague of some years immolated, I may have had emotional responses that were uh, un, un, unwarranted, I can't say. What about Whitaker? Is he going to be immolated? Well, you say you've got him out of the, got him out of the area, so... So if, she'll have to know where he is in order to do anything. Yes. Does that leave other... If she thinks he's at the hotel, is she? Is the hotel going to be attacked? Well, that's oh, why we plan to be there. Hmm. And we know that she doesn't... That her little um, sparkly friends can't just locate someone through magic or they wouldn't have misidentified Teresa's home. Mm -hmm. At least well, Dunbar. It sounds like they went to his his office because that was his office. That was somewhere that he was almost certainly expected to be. 
at that particular time. Oh, does that mean the thing was summoned summoned the night before? If it if it can't be if it can't be reached until after the dawn of Bumblehoot, it could have been bound on Earth long for a long time before that. No word. And the first time they they summoned it. Uh, I mean, I got the distinct impression then that he summoned it to immolate himself uh, at uh, Teresa's house. Yeah, oh, I'd forgotten what you'd said about that. There was so much that happened in the back garden, but it seemed as though, yes, he wanted, they want to burn. Yeah, which, which does, which does also provide, I uh, beg one, again, loose end that we have in our investigation that Dunbar was killed in his office, but yes. Chamberlain's body was never found when we uh, when the wreckage was sifted through at his house. Well, I imagine yes. sufficient enough fire would reduce one to ashes. Even uh, fire still it would take it takes a considerably intense heat to be able to completely destroy even bone. There was no there was no trace of his body or any part of it having been found in that wreckage. Is there anything teeth generally survive incineration? If he had metal fillings, they would have survived. Well, they would have probably melted at that temperature. So you're saying Chamber Chamberlain wasn't there? Well, we or believe he was, was there. It's just his body wasn't found. Okay, it's starting to feel a little like a Agatha Christie mystery wrapped in there. Do you think that? Uh, the woman in question would not have necessarily gone after him because he supposedly did do a very, very good job on her face. Uh, he just couldn't restore the must. You know, she didn't have emotional. Well, this, this is something for you to potentially pursue and find out mm -hmm. when you have access to her um, to her residence. Maybe she's kidnapped him and maybe she's holding him for some other purpose. Oh, and perhaps. if you could find if you could find where he's being held, well, kidnapping is a very serious offence that we could uh, that we could levy the full weight of the law against her with. Yeah. So again, this is another loose end to try and find out exactly what's going on. Well, very exciting. Hmm. I hope we don't get killed. Oh, I very much hope that as well. It's frankly, it's the last thing I want to have happen to me. I think it's, as you say, it would be quite advantageous or quite uh, prudent to head back to your uh, various place of residence, freshen up, and be ready before Fomalhaut rises over the southeastern horizon at about 10 o'clock tonight. Oh, okay. Yes, I can All also right, get some uh, sidereal uh, charts so that we know exactly when Fomalhaut rises each night mm -hmm. and when it sets. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Right, and yep, um, Fothering he, he will arrange for well, or N will order Fotheringay to arrange transport to get you back to your place of residence, and will then also be able to get you to the hotel afterwards. And that seems about as good a point as any for us to bring the curtain down for tonight, and we can pick up at the hotel next week. Excellent. <clears throat> Our players included Max Meltzer, Josh Harwood, 
Alex's son, David Gasway, and myself with Matthew Sanderson as the Keeper of Arcane Lore. We have a Discord server where you can chat with other members, you can set up private games, you can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastering. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Spotify, Podbean, or iTunes. Support for the show is provided by our patrons, who are listed in the closing credits. If you'd like to join them, please visit our Patreon page listed in the description. Or you can use Super Thanks by hitting the button just below the screen. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good gaming.